We're going to have an entirely new look at the Spendthrift Trust. A lot of stuff has been happening since my earlier videos. I want to just uh, do a reset here and look at everything in the context of the new reality that we have now and certainly what's coming in 2024. Before I get into all of that, I need to do my usual disclaimer to state that I am not a licensed tax or legal advisor. I don't give tax, legal, or accounting advice. This material has been prepared for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide and should not be relied upon for tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal, tax, and accounting advisors before engaging in any transaction. Now, a lot of you already know me, but for those of you who are new, my name is Don Thornton. I'm a 21-year real estate investor. I'm known as Don the Short Sale Guy because I've had well over 3,500 flips and subject to deals, pre-foreclosures, mostly short sales actually. I have an MBA in finance and I'm trustee of multiple trusts. Uh, let's talk about the times we live in. You know, there's an ancient Chinese curse that said, may you live in interesting times. And the word interesting obviously had a very negative connotation. In this case, you know, time we have wars, we have inflation, a lot of political uncertainty, a lot of job insecurity. And there's a new draconian law coming to target small business and investors. We'll get into that a little bit later. But all of that adds up to a lot of quote unquote interesting times. And so not uh, surprisingly, people are looking for a safe harbor. And that's what we're going to talk about right now is what kind of safe harbor this Spendthrift Trust is going to be for you. Uh, let's talk about trust, first of all. So you may not be aware of this, but there's two types of trust. We have statutory law trust and we have contract law trust. Um, a statutory law trust is said to, I mean, it's, it's, that's the name because it was created by a legislature. Understand that most of the trust that you are aware of and your attorneys are aware of, they are statutory trust, which means that at some point in time, some kind of legislature passed a law that allowed their creation. Uh, now, contract law trust, they're based on contract law and the Constitution. And in Article 1, Section 10, it states that no state shall pass a law impairing the obligation of contracts. Now, the Supreme Court has interpreted this contract clause that it is a limit to states' power to enact legislation that regulates contracts between private partners. And at its core, this trust, the Spendthrift Trust, is a contract between private parties. Uh, our, like I said, and because our trust is a contract law trust, it is not a creature of the legislature. It was not created in any way, shape, or form by a legislative act. So therefore, it is not sub subject to the myriad of strangling legislative controls, rules, and regulations that are applicable to corporations and other legislative entities. And uh, the Supreme Court had a ruling that's ruling 220-178 of Elliott versus Freeman that uh, ruled that spin-through trust organizations are not subject to legislative control. It holds that the trust relationship comes under the realm of equity based on common law and is not subject to legislative restrictions, as are corporations and other organizations created by legislative authority. Now, this is going to be important. Remember this as we get into uh, this new law coming a little bit later in this presentation. So our trust has five pillars, five components of it. 
is a non-grantor trust. This means that a creator or a settlor, um, you know, that is the official creator of the trust, has no management of the corpus of the trust. It's not a beneficiary, never will be. And no entity, especially the IRS, will never consider this trust to be an alter ego of you. And this keeps the trust from being considered a grantor trust. It's also an irrevocable trust, which means that assets are irrevocably sold to the trust and cannot refer revert, I should say, to the one who is making the transfer of the trust or selling them to the trust. Assets are sold to the trust on the basis of a bill of sale. It's a complex trust. And this is in order to in order to serve the beneficiaries of the trust and protect the corpus of the trust. It is a complex trust. However, it plainly states the terms and conditions to make it easy to understand and to use. It's also a discretionary trust, which means that the trust ensures the absolute and sole discretionary power of the trustee in determining the distribution of the corpus assets to the beneficiaries. This protects also the trust and its beneficiaries. And finally, it is a spendthrift trust. This is a critical aspect of the trust. It's what provides the trust incomparable asset protection. I'm not kidding. No outside force can penetrate the trust. Nothing can get access to any future assets for any of the trust beneficiaries. Only fraudulent conveyance would allow someone to penetrate the, course, the, the trust corpus. Right? The trust. There's a there's several parties to the trust, and you're going to be you know well aware of these when you uh, go ahead and take uh, action and get one of these. Uh, the settler, as I already mentioned, only has two functions to be the official creator or grantor of the trust and to use their social security number to get the EIN number for the trust. That's it. Your EIN number is not, I mean, excuse me, your social security number is not used at all. And when you receive your trust book, that person signs a total of three forms inside the book, which removes them completely from the trust. There's a compliance overseer. And the compliance overseer has full control of the trust. They can add trustees or trustees to manage the trust at their whim. And there also can be more than one compliance overseer if you have a husband and wife, for example, or just two partners. And a compliance overseer cannot be a beneficiary. Uh, we are all familiar with the term trustee. Uh, the trustee holds legal title of the trust. The trustee directly manages the trust on behalf of the beneficiaries. And there can be two trustees if you want. Again, usually, typically, it's husband and wife. And trustees have the power to add or remove Beneficiaries at their leisure, there's not, there's no limit. They can add one you know, today and get rid of that one tomorrow. And a trustee cannot be a beneficiary. Now, beneficiaries, you got to have at least one inside the trust for it to function. And, of course, there can be as many beneficiaries as you want. And they, hold, they have beneficial interest in the assets of the trust, but they're not allowed to manage the trust nor have any records or any, ask, any access to any records. Okay, and then I'm going to continue with the beneficiaries here where I say that they don't receive distributions from the trust. Well, they can, but typically we don't do that as that would be a taxable event for the beneficiaries. The trustee can pay for legitimate trust expenses on behalf of the beneficiaries. In other words, you can pay for something for pay for something for them, but not give them the money for them to buy it. Okay, these are considered trust expenses for accounting purposes, and they are not taxable events for the beneficiaries when the trust pays for something on their behalf. And a successor trustee, well, it's always good practice to have somebody that will take over for the trustee in case something happens, incapacitation or death. If that's the case, that 
a successor trustee takes over and continues to manage the trust from there on. And uh, that's how that goes. Now let's talk about how we get assets to the trust. You already know it's an irrevocable trust, so they had to be sold. So there's a very specific procedure that has to be done. Uh, we have to create, we have to uh, sell them on a cost basis price. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. There has to be a bill of sale that facilitates this, the sale of the, of the assets to the trust, and there has the trust has to give a promissory note in return as monetary compensation. Now, the cost basis price is whatever price you originally bought the asset at. You add on the amount of any improvements that were made during your ownership period. And if you've taken depreciation, usually in real estate, in previous tax years, and that's subtracted, and that equals the cost basis price. So we're selling these assets to the trust at a cost basis price, not retail price. Therefore, it's not going to trigger a capital gains tax event. Uh, there is a bill of sale. This is a private document. It is not recorded. When you sell your assets to the trust, you're going to make a list of them. That's called Exhibit A of the bill of sale. Each asset is listed on the bill of sale, or excuse me, on the Exhibit A, and the price, the cost basis price will be on that as well. You add up all the total amount of the assets, the cost basis price for all the assets. That is the price of the bill of sale, and that's submitted to the trust for payment. And like I said, the trust gives you a promissory note, not cash. It's like a promissory note, it's like an IOU, promise to pay, can be called a demand promissory note. Uh, the bottom line is that the trustee can withdraw that money on demand and withdrawals are considered a return of capital for the trustee and there is not a taxable event. And when you withdraw money, the promissory note is reduced by the amount of the withdrawal. So as you sell more assets in the trust, as you take more withdrawals, the, the, the promissory note goes up and down depending on what this, the, uh, how much you've sold in the trust and how much you've taken out. Uh, the trust offers, Spinther Trust offers ironclad asset protection. I mean, the Spinther provision can protect your assets from lawsuits, you know, from seizures, from court turnover orders. It's even as powerful to be able to stop eminent domain lawsuits in their tracks. The trust is allowed to pay for a lot of expenses uh, for assets and beneficiaries. In this case, just a typical example, a couple of examples here. If you have your house in the trust as a trust asset, it can pay the mortgage payment, it can pay the insurance, it can pay property taxes, any upkeep, maintenance, repairs, any improvements, any landscaping. That's all trust expenses is pay for money inside the corpus of the trust. If you have vehicles, Gas, oil changes, repairs, registering title, paying for insurance, all that stuff. Uh, now, it also can pay for a heck of a lot of expenses, personal expenses, for the beneficiaries, including, this is not everything, but including anything having to do with health, anything having to do with wellness, and anything having to do with education. Note, it is not only for accredited uh, institutions, learning institutions. It could be anything of any form of education. So there's a lot of gray area there. And minor and special needs beneficiaries or those who are currently being educated can have their food paid for, their clothing, and again, wellness, health, and education. 
there's also a tremendous amount of tax reduction you can get with this spendthrift trust. Now, there are different tax reduction strategies. I'm just I'm just going to touch upon them here. I'm not going to go into a huge deep dive. You know, I encourage you to uh, reach out to me and we can talk about your situation um, about what strategies will work for you. But let's just go through, you know, a couple of things. There's a return of capital strategy, trust expenses, charitable trust, and, you know, no state income tax. So, again, just to review, since we're selling these assets to the trust at a cost basis price, not a retail price, and there's a bill of sale to the trust, and uh, the promissory note is given, and that is available to the trustee to draw upon to you know, make to make withdrawals, and those are considered return of capital, and they are not taxable. So let me give you an example of how this works. It may sound a little bit you know, confusing, but okay, so I have a, a client in name's Randy in Houston. He's a restaurant owner and he has three rental houses and he has a, one of his one house. He has a fourth house that's just his residential property. So he sold his business assets and his personal assets to the trust. And so the trust gave him a promissory note in the range of $2.4 million. That means that he can draw upon that whenever he wants. So the simple way to do this is you, uh, you know, you're the trustee, you manage the trust at the end of the year, after, just like you would in any business, you would, you subtract all the expenses and deductions and you're left with what would be taxable income. Well, if he has like $50,000 of taxable income left, all he has to do is just withdraw that $50,000 that uh from from his from his promissory note and then the trust will zero out and that fifty thousand dollars of course is not a taxable event for him either so neither he had he doesn't have any tax on that thing and the trust zeroes out that's the most common way to have your spendthrift trust not pay any tax at the end of the year um and remember trust expenses so a lot of tax quote unquote taxable money in the trust can be lowered by you know, all the expenses that are being paid by the trust, not by you personally. So I just told you about how if you have like five, you know, $50,000 left over after everything, including all the beneficiary expenses, then you can do that. Or, you know, you can just, you can distribute to yourself, whatever. I mean, it's still going to be a lot less than, than what the trust would pay at 37%. So that's a way to do it. But that's going to be some tax, that's going to be a taxable event for you, but you can certainly do it. It'll still be much less than what you pay otherwise. Uh, or you can use a charitable trust when you have that extra fifty thousand that we just quoted. I mean, you can you can distribute that to your charitable trust, and that gives you incredibly long term, incredible long term tax deferment. And so, but the most important thing is that your spendthrift trust will zero out, and it will not be any tax there. And as I mentioned earlier, when we were talking about contract law trust, this trust is not required to register with any state. Not with the Secretary of State of that state, it is it's it's invisible. It's it's, it's off the radar. So therefore, it's not going to pay any tax, state tax, state income tax, and so forth. And a lot of a lot of states like New York, New Jersey, California, that can provide a tremendous amount of tax savings for you. Well, I saved the worst for last. Here, there's this thing coming on January first, two thousand twenty-four. It's called the Corporate Transparency Act. And it is going to be a bear and it's going to be very dangerous for those of us who are small business and investors. So what is this Corporate Transparency Act? It is a new federal database that specifically targets entrepreneurs, small business owners and investors. 
So you may have not heard, you may have heard in that last couple of years that they were talking about hiring 85,000 new IRS agents. Well, that was just the tip of the iceberg. They also added billions to the IRS budget and gave them some nasty digital capabilities and AI upgrades. So now they're modern and they needed a law to compel us to give up our personal and our corporate anonymity, all of our information. And that's what uh, <laughs> that's what the law is. And we're going to be forced next year to get a new federal number. It's called the financial you know, FinCEN number, which stands for the uh, uh, excuse me. It stands for um, Financial Crimes and Enforcement Network. To be, and so we have to get those next year to be able to have a bank account or a financial account of any kind. So you may be asking yourself, okay, well, who has to register this law? Well, you have to have any LLC, any S corp, any C corp, basically any entity that has to register with the register with the Secretary of State of any state that it's domiciled in, then it has to register and and comply with the law. So I'm paraphrasing a lot of this stuff, but basically from now on, starting next year, the Feds will have all of our information in one database using AI, and now they can coordinate and analyze everything we have, finances, assets, income streams, with just a push of the button. And if they decide, if AI decides that there's something there that's suspect, they, you know, and 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 not just the not just not not just IRS AI, but the financial institutions as well. They monitor your accounts, and if they see any suspicious activity, then they are under they are under orders from the financial financial crimes enforcement network, the Department of Treasury, to lock down that account, freeze it, call the FBI, and then an investigation is started. And if you think we well, can just blow off this law, well, think again. If you don't comply, that's a criminal uh, criminal offense. There's a uh, up to fifteen hundred dollars maximum daily fine, criminal penalties of ten thousand dollars maximum fine per violation, and two years in prison per violation. All right. And look, there's more horror horror in this law. Okay, I'm just scratching the surface here. I just want to give you a taste of what it is. So suffice it to say, as someone who knows this law inside and out, you don't want to comply with it if you can help it. The good news, though, is that our trust, our contract law trust, therefore they are exempt because they are not required to register with the Secretary of State of any state that you're domiciled in. You'll be able to run your business, manage your investments, and you'll be 100% legally off the Fed's radar. So... Remember when I said at the beginning of this presentation, I said that, that people are looking for a safe harbor in these uncertain times? Well, the Spendthrift Trust is the safe harbor that you need. And because we don't want you just to get by, we want you to thrive in these quote unquote interesting times. So my call to action for you is to schedule a free one-on-one -on -one strategy session with me to discuss how this trust can protect your assets, reduce your taxes, shield you from any kind of lawsuits, and free you and this is so important. I'm sorry if I'm harping on this, but free you from, the from having to comply with this horrible, disgusting, odious, whatever word you want to use, Corporate Transparency Act. And the way you do that is to go to my scheduling link here at www.calendly.com slash Don Thornton slash 30 minutes. My name is spelled D-O-H-N-T-H-O-R-N-T-O-N. Go there, schedule a time with me, free 30-minute strategy session, and I'll help you out, get you going. And I want to thank you again for taking the time to watch this video, to listen to this podcast episode. And I look forward to talking to you in person. Thanks.